Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. And again, off on, hey, amen. Beautiful group of people again. Uh, a lot of people are sick today. Pray for those that are sick. Do me a favor. Try to keep uh, our proximities a little bit greater than normal. There's a lot of people battling a lot of sicknesses, and we don't want to unintentionally spread anything to each other. So do me a favor. A lot of people text me today, let me know they were sick. Please reach out to those people that usually sit next to you. Let them know that you missed them today. Um, we reach out, you know, uh, Bob and the loss of his mom this week. We need to lift him up in prayer. Uh, pray that that would be a God-honoring time Thursday uh, as we um, say our temporary goodbyes. Remember, this is not a uh, forever goodbye. Amen? We have a place that we know is heaven, and we have a promise of an eternity in God's presence. So they're uh, really best summed up like Michael W. Smith's uh, Friends are Friends Forever. When the Lord's the Lord of them, a friend will not say never because the welcome will not end. And we have an eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. So what I say in that is when we're watching God work in hearts, God is doing awesome things. He is working. He's working in, in spite of what we see all around us. It can be very discouraging as the things that I hear from pastors and churches all over the place, very discouraging things. But I'm encouraged because God is working. God's saving people. God is moving in lives. You know, we had people join church on Wednesday night. You know, that's exciting. We had a huge, had a visitor on Wednesday night. You know, that's a blessing. God is really working. And I hope that you're a part of what God's doing because God is in the business of taking the mess that we have and turning it and use it for God's glory. Hence this statement. So this morning... I had spent my week working on the message, had everything ready. And what I do is I email the notes to the media team, and then I put it on my iPad. You want you guys see me up here, right? So what I do on Sunday mornings, I come in again, and I go over it again. So I came in this morning, and I opened up my iPad, and I'm going through it, and I'm like, man, this doesn't seem right. Because we were going back to finish up our Acts study. We're at the really, in my opinion, the best part of Acts anyways is where the shipwreck happened. And the snake's getting ready to bite Paul. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, this don't seem right. And for somehow, and so, this is one thing I don't know about technology. Austin, you'd be really good about probably explaining how it happened. All of the new part of the message is in there, but it had my point from the last one in there. And I kept going through and said, man, these things really seem like in November, when I did this, it seemed like that was what I had in November. So I no problem. I told the ladies at the house, hey, bring uh, my computer, please. I know it's in there. It's got to be in there because I spent all week. I had it finished yesterday morning. Everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. But then something hit me. The minute I told them to do it and they said, I'll bring it, a verse popped up in my mind, and it's on the screen. Now, I'm going off of nothing right now. 
I have absolutely nothing. And I, this is a, for most pastors, this is a very unnerving thing. It's an unnerving thing because some pastors I've seen walk up, open up, and start preaching. The old saying is God gives you what you put in, meaning the study that you do and the preparation you do, God blesses and honors. This morning is not anything to do with me. This has nothing to do with something that I did not do, but I think fully beyond a shadow of a doubt that this has everything to do with God. Now, if this blesses you, don't thank me. You can thank God because, again, I have nothing to do with it. But this is what I do realize this morning. I have talked to so many people this week who've had situations that they don't understand why they're going through. They've had family members who are enduring things that they don't understand why. They've got godly friends and neighbors who have had things happen to them. And I'm not talking about people who are living in compromise and people who are living one way and talk. I'm talking about people who are sold out believers that are undergoing things that just don't make sense. And of course, as I hear these things this week, it's always encouraging when the scripture, the, the, the message for the week that God's laid on my heart, it, it's nice when it intertwines. I don't make those intertwine. I'm not one of those people that, hey, you know, my, my husband's been acting right. Would you preach something about it? As a matter of fact, if anybody calls me and says that, I said, you better go on your knees before God because I am not in the business of preaching to one person on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, right? We're in the business of preaching God's word, and God does the work that I can do with a million sermons over the course of a million years for that matter. What I know is that God is a God that stirs hearts, that God's the God that convicts hearts. God's the God that divinely preordains. Now, some people don't like that word. You know, preordain sounds like that God's, listen, I don't care what you want to call it. I know that God is present eternity, past, present, and future right now. If you want to call that election, I don't care what you call it. I want to call it this. God knows what's happening a thousand years from now, just like he knows what's happening five minutes from now. How does that all play in the grand scope of things? It gives me great trust in the God that we serve because he knows where we have been, where we are, and where we're going. And that's why if you've tried, had your Bibles this morning, Romans 8, 28, I hope this encourages you. It does me. Because, just like I shared with you, and somebody said I didn't finish this up a few weeks ago uh, in explaining how my parents' loss of my sister Martha played into the fact of me being here. Remember, my parents were only going to have a boy and a girl. My sister Martha dies. That was the reason that my brother Tim, who is the judge in Florida, and me, because they were still going to try to have a little girl. I would not have been here had my brother Tim been a girl. I would not be here right now if my sister Martha had lived. And I said that morning to help you understand the context of that, we don't understand, and how could my parents in a million years, the morning that they found Martha gone, how could they have understood God's gonna, it, that would have been really almost accusatory or attacking, wouldn't it, that morning to go, hey, God's gonna use this in a powerful way one day. You probably would have got hit, amen? Oh, the rest of you guys wouldn't have thought that? Amen. They would have gotten hit because it made no sense at that moment why two people with a child that went to the mission field, God could have repaid them with the loss of a child. See, what God knew is, even this very morning, I would not be here had my sister Martha lived. That is the part that is so profound 
and the ability for me to rest in God's purpose and God's plan. It's just like I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in the loss of Jasmine. Not able to still, still very, very difficult to understand why God allowed that. And you know what I'm going to do, though? I'm going to do what I've done, and I'm going to look to the past because I know that God acts in the way that he does. He doesn't change. So the way that God has been in eternity past in my life is the way that God's going to act going forward. God has never broken a promise, and God has never failed me. And I hope that you can say the same this morning because God is ever faithful. Does that mean that, that he's going to stop every bad thing or those prayers when we might literally pray like we've never prayed in our lifetime for a situation that we think would be better if it was answered in this way? I know those. I understand those situations. I've done the same thing in my lifetime only to have God answer in a different way. I didn't understand it. It made no sense because in my understanding, right, when we pray that God would protect someone or God would heal someone or God would not let this situation continue, we think that the best answer is the way we think it should be. This is the big part. Scripture says God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And I hope this encourages you this morning to understand God will take every tragedy and turn it into a triumph. He'll take every tear and wipe every tear from our eye. The promise this morning is what we're going to look at in this verse. I hope you found it, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And if you are physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the immense privilege to be here. God, we're here today because Jesus Christ paid a price we could never pay. We have been bought and paid for through his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I'm thankful today, Lord, that we have your word, the blood-bought book we know as the Bible Father, hide me behind the cross today, Lord, so that your spirit might speak to hearts as only you can, not only in this building, but ones watching online. Father, bring hope to the hurting. Lord, bring healing to those that are broken, Lord, that are suffering, that are struggling with whatever's going on in their life that they can't even fathom, Lord, that could be from you or you have allowed. God, we just praise you today and pray that you alone would be glorified, lifted up, honored, exalted. You deserve it all, our King, our Lord, our God. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to be clear on a qualifier. Okay, you know, if God was to say, hey, what do you think about Romans 8, 20? I said, hey, Lord, do me a favor. Will you just swap this in the end there? Okay, those that are called according to God's purpose, we know that all things will work together. Has anybody ever thought that? Why is the qualifier at the end? Meaning, the qualifier that qualifies the promise that all things will work together for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Because if you or I take that biblical promise, 
that all things will work together for good. And we tell someone who has no love for the Lord, no desire to walk with the Lord, no Christian, nothing, zero. They are unspiritual as unspiritual gets. And, and they're going through adversity. And we walk up to them, put our arm around and go, hey, just remember, all things work together for good. What have we done? Not only have we misapplied Scripture, we have lied to them. Because the qualifier must be present in order for that statement to be true. So for those that are called according to God's purpose, those are professed followers of Jesus Christ, all things work together for good. That is the promise this morning that I wish I could have gone back to my parents the morning that Martha was dead and said to them, they wouldn't, have hurt, they wouldn't have understood it, they probably would have hit me, not knowing who I was. But spiritually, they had that promise, they knew that promise, and they trusted that promise, though in those moments, those weeks, those months, and those years, it didn't make it any easier. But imagine now as they look back and recognize Martha lost nothing that day. She gained everything, Amen. You know what Martha never had to do? She never had to experience any more of the brokenness, the hurt of this sin-stained world. Isn't that interesting sometimes as someone goes on to, I call it life. They go from death to life because remember, Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We've been made alive in Christ, but we're still battling the brokenness of this world. Does anybody say, you know what, I, there's nothing about this whole world that I in any way desire to escape one day? Something's wrong with you if you'd say that. But in this world, there is not only hurts, but hurts multiplied, magnified to a level the older I get that is somewhat honestly incomprehensible. I was writing the other, uh, I think it was two days ago, Riding down the road in a sense of immense grief. I was. I was in a sense of immense grief, longing for the day that I am returned to the state that God originally intended me to be in. I'm not suicidal. I'm not fatalistic. That was in no way that. But what I'm longing for is to be home. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Does anybody else at times start to long to be reunited with dad? I'm not talking about earthly dad. Dad only had us on loan. When our dads are gone, we don't have a dad. We have a father. Amen. And maybe you had a dad or a, a, a physical dad that maybe conceived you, was never a father. Guess what? You have a father. You have one that will never leave you and never forsake you. And by the way, we're going to be reunited one day in his presence, and all things will be made new. And that's what the beauty of everything that God's allowing in our lives are literally weaved together in this tapestry. Remember I talk about the painting quite often or the puzzle because, and I, and I wish I, I do paint and I wish I knew how to do this because I would take a year and I would paint like Clint does, but I'd do it really small every Sunday. And every year we'd paint a painting because that's what God does. And this is the difficult part. We don't want to be the black. Because the black on a canvas is not something that really jumps out a lot of times. We want the yellows, we want the reds, we want these vibrant colors. If you go and you look at, um, oh, the one I really like that they have them at the Christian bookstore, Kincaid. I absolutely love Kincaid paintings. 
uh, the painter of light, right? I love those paintings. Yeah, listen, I, you can go to a gallery. Wyland's the same way. There's a painter named Wyland from California who paints. He's a beautiful. He does above the ocean and then below the ocean paintings. And those and, and Kincaid's pictures, the painter of light, they're just gorgeous. There's so much in them. And I could sit there and look at them forever. But see, that's what life is. But as you watch Kincaid, the same way that you'd watch Ross, if I remember Ross, the big-haired guy, the happy guy, right? Ross was awesome. Bob Ross, great man. He died, died from cancer, as a matter of fact. But Bob Ross had a powerful, powerful, by the way, he didn't even like his own hair. He only did it because people liked it. Little tidbit there. But as he paints these pictures, as you begin to see at the beginning, and as he's going through this thing, many times you go, where's this guy going with this? What's he doing? What is that little, that stroke here, it looks terrible. It looks like it has nothing to do with the painting, and there's nothing that this can add to that painting right now. Come on, and get, move on with it. See, that's where you're wrong. And that's where I'm wrong when we say that. Because every brushstroke is important. All of them are. Each one is interdependent, ultimately, with bringing out the master's vision and bringing it to life. See, that's the part that's hard for us. Because we don't want to feel the pain of being the drab, the grays. We don't want the experiences, the black. We want the painting. We want the beauty that is on the other side of it. We want to see the finished picture. We don't want the process of pain that it requires to get from point A to point B. The problem is that inhibits the ability ever to be a part of God's plan or purpose if we're not a part of the pain in the process. And that's what I ask you this morning. What is, and it doesn't even matter if it's something that you've dealt with this week. You may have a hurt that people in this age in here, you could go back 80 plus years and find the deepest hurt that you've ever experienced in your life. You could find the birthplace, the seed of that pain, 80 years. Some of you will find that, like myself, that pains that go back 40 years. And some of those pains have been under the surface that you continue to put Band-Aids on and you continue to either excuse away or maybe you allow that pain to be the excuse for attitudes and actions that you're ashamed of that you don't even realize maybe this morning that you are manifesting to others and actually you may be in the process of passing that pain on to others because you've not effectively and appropriately dealt with it and trusted the Lord and lean not on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledging him and allowing him to direct your paths through and past that. I know some people that don't get healing from hurts ever. Now, I'll tell you whose desire that is. That's Satan's, the enemy. There's many words we can use, but we will just refer to him as the enemy this morning. The enemy desires to steal, kill, and destroy he desires to do nothing constructive in our lives. He does not want our life characterized, number one, with the blessings of God. Number two, the plans and purposes of God. He wants us in no way associated with. What he wants to do is get us micro-focused, distracted, diverted. He never wants us to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But if you so happen to, he wants you completely ineffective for kingdom work. What does that mean? 
He never wants you to do anything to affect others' life. He wants to infect you with an attitude, actions, life, or lifestyle that is repulsive to others so that anything that does come out of your mouth, he can make it null and void the moment it comes out of your mouth. How does that happen? Well, number one, generational things. What are generational things, Brother Jonathan? Well, they're things like I heard growing up, not from my parents, people that knew me. If you ever knew me, when you got around me, people would automatically say, this kid will never make it to 18. I heard that so many times, I could not remember the number of times that I heard that. When you're told something enough times, you begin to believe it. The old saying is, you're told a lie enough time, you begin to believe it. So I grew up, and I actually believed that I was even more reckless than I ever would have been due to the fact that I was told I'd never make it past 18. It's interesting because I got to 18 one day, and then it astounded me because I realized, wow, I'm still here. What that was is a lie that the enemy wanted to define me by. He wanted to define me by, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. I, actually, I went to kindergarten. I sat next to a really good friend of mine. Well, I had ADD, couldn't focus, couldn't think, couldn't do anything. And I sat next to him because I was so distracted and I just copied everything off of his paper. He was my buddy. Well, guess what? I realized later on the reason that I was put in special education after that is because he had a lot of real serious troubles. So I ended up spending two years in, uh, in a special education program, which was the greatest thing of my life because the teacher in that program was one of the most incredible teachers that I've ever known, became a family friend of ours. She actually took me in 1981 in her car, you ready? Drove me from Miami, Florida. We stayed the night together in her car and watched the uh, space shuttle take off she would still be in prison now. Did nothing wrong. It was totally wholesome, but her name was Miss Trigg, one of the greatest teachers I ever had. But see, this all happened from something that you would not and could not believe or understand could possibly ever happen. It happened to me. Now remember something. Remember, so I have these two years that I'm in this special education program. You don't, you don't know what I thought I was, right? Thought I was stupid. Thought I was ignorant. By the way, I graduated with a 4.0 when I was 15 years old. So do the math on that. A lot of the years of my, my schooling kind of disappeared because I was well advanced. God had each step within that process divinely orchestrated and ordained. God knew exactly where I was, where I needed to be, and I needed the two years of ministry from Miss Trigg. By the way, she was a godly follower of Christ teaching in an intercity school in Miami, Florida. How does that happen? See, that's God. And that's the interesting thing that we've got to recognize, and it's so hard to realize sometimes because these situations begin to unfold in our lives, and the first thing that we say is this, oh, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. When that should actually be the last thing we'd ever even think about because the first thing we should do is cling to Christ. The reason we should is his promises never fail us. So when your doctor says you are going to die, you are sick, you are this, you are that, you can actually tell him what I'll tell somebody, you don't hold my future. 
You don't hold my today. You don't hold my tomorrow. You can talk all you want to, but I serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who my days have been ordained before the foundations of the world. So that's a promise. We know what Scripture says. So we can trust it, or we can buy into that lie, just like the person that tries to define us as, you're just like your no-count daddy. Anybody ever heard that in here? You're just like that sorry mother you have. She's never been worth nothing, never will be. You're just like that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of helping you understand these things that we get repeated by people in our lifetimes that can be very, very destructive to us. What I love this morning is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care if you think that there's no difference in me and the man that God transformed September of 2004. See, that your opinion doesn't matter. What matters is his. That's what matters. He knows I am a new creation, and therefore I leave that up to you to decide what you want to believe or not believe. Because remember, as Scripture says, our sin has been separated as far as the east is from the west. So in Christ, I have been forgiven, have been washed free, have been set free. So I'm not defined why, by what carnal man in the carnal nature of the heart, the mind, and the thought process decides to define me as. Because what will happen if you do that is instead of allowing the destiny of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to define who you are, what you are, and where you're headed, you begin to buy in and begin to serve people. What is the problem with serving people? Not only will you never live up to what they think you should be, but you, in living up to this one standard, the rest of the people will talk trash about you for what you're doing trying to please that person. But when you live to please him, and you live as his wants, his wills, his desires, as your passion, that him, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. What that means is when you focus on what God wants and God cares about and what God desires for your life, you don't end up people-pleasing. Because what you'll do then is recognize all of the wasted energy was nothing but a scam. It is nothing but a dopamine scam, right, to try to make you feel better in your head. And what it does is actually drain you. It leaves you washed up, leaves you hopeless, leaves you continuing to people-please. And what happens is you become insecure because you realize you're not doing it. You try harder, and you end up with a bunch of mental illnesses as a result of that. Because what it does is drain you of the very life that you have and robs you of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus when we're in a place of obedience. So what is it today? Are you battling something 60, 70 years ago that you've never gotten freedom from? Are you battling maybe a generational thing? We know what scripture says, the sins the father carried on to the third and fourth generation. I, I, I challenge you this morning. What are you doing to deal with that? What would I do, Brother Jonathan? Well, I talk about it week in and week out. I talk about the generational worksheets. I can't fill them out for you. I, can't lead, I can lead you to the place that you find deliverance, but I can't make you drink from the waters of freedom that's in Christ. I can have you, if you've got a, a generational curse in your family lineage, maybe three generations deep of addiction, maybe you have one of abuse, and you've not ever dealt with that, and you are an angry person that's tending to, at times, 
uh, abuse others, and you don't even realize it, what are you doing to get victory from it? You think that you can get victory? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you can get victory from anything. The thing that we have to do is recognize <clears throat> these issues in our lives that are inhibiting or impeding the ability for us to walk in the fullness of Christ. And once we recognize that, then we can go through the process with which those generational, you ready, chains have bound us. Generational chains. Have you ever thought about that? It sends the father to the third and fourth generation. I love the other part, but the blessings to a thousand. So those generational chains, you've got to see like actual chains. Because when it says they will be carried on to the third and fourth generation, what that's saying is this is a process by which, if not dealt with, these issues will have a rightful ability to torment you for three to four generations. But the blessings to a thousand. So to this morning, if you sit there and you go, you know, I wonder if that's the reason that I've always struggled with X. Very well could be. Well, how do I, how do I see me afterwards and I'll get you that packet? By the way, do you know what will happen? You'll go through great amounts of adversity as you're going through that. People don't understand why. Why? The minute I started filling that out, it's like everything came apart. Yeah, you, you're not kidding. Why? Because someone doesn't want you free to walk in the fullness of Christ Jesus. And if anybody can realize the correlation in that, then you understand the magnitude with which the need must be met because if he is trying so desperately to prevent us from doing that, what's he preventing us from experiencing? Freedom. Deliverance. Another thought. So if you have these issues that need to be dealt with, and you go, well, maybe I just don't buy into that or this, that, and the other. I got a question for you. If you got a call from your doctor today, Hey, we've just noticed that you have an X. And by the way, this is a fatal condition, but we actually have a, a cure for this that works 100% of the time. All you've got to do is pick up the prescription, follow the regimen, and we with full assurance know that you will be completely healed. Get off the phone. You know what? They're lying to me. Yeah, I, I just don't believe them. I don't, but you know what, as a matter of fact, I watched one of them on Dr. Phil. Somebody had this thing I can get online. I'm going to try that. Uh, or, you know what, I'll just in, in, invest in the power of positive thinking, and I'll just will myself. Uh, by the way, anybody remember a person who was extremely successful, extremely wealthy, an extremely brilliant man who pretty much tried that when he had a form of cancer that was 100% curable, Steve Jobs. Didn't believe that. He tried the alternative route. When it got to the point that he knew he needed a real treatment, it was too late and he lost his life. Spiritually, it's the same picture. We can either get freedom, we can get deliverance, we can walk in the fullness of Christ and the purpose and plan that God has, and hence, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You can believe the truth, walk in the truth, or you can reject the truth and experience 
There's no telling. Anybody remember a man in the Bible that was under a Nazarite vow that had a great commission from the very time that his mother conceived him? Samson was under a Nazarite vow. I've heard some people say this, and I categorically reject this, the thought even. Oh, Samson's sin was ordained by God, and that was why that happened, and that was part of the plan and purpose. I reject that and rebuke the very thought process. God's desire for Samson was not to be a womanizer and run out with lost women who were not lovers of God when he went to his parents and said, hey, parents, I want her. And they said, hey, why don't you look at all these godly women from people that love God? Why don't you come up here? No, I want her. Get her for me. If I was Samson's parents, I'd have said, go pound dirt. Have a nice life, son. I'm not going to be a part of your wickedness and your rebellion. They didn't. They went and got it. And look what the process led to ultimately. Samson had desires that were not taken captive to the will of the Lord. He did something that was completely an affront to the power of God, the purpose of God, but most notably to this call that God had on his life. God had raised Samson up to judge the Nazarites, or the Philistines, sorry, the Philistines. God used Samson in so mighty, mighty ways, but the problem was Samson wasn't right. And not only that, sin makes you foolish. It continues as a downhill snowball, and the greater it continues to go, the worse off you get. Don't ever think, well, I'm just going to have a, I, give me just a side of sin, uh, Satan. I don't want more than that. Just give me a little bit. That's all I need, just a touch. It ain't going to happen. You're going to get all of it. It's just a matter of time. There is no such thing as free sin, but also I've never seen anybody that engages in sin and says, oh, I can meter this. I can, I've heard them say it, but it's not going to get me. I've not seen anybody that it doesn't get. The only way that that can be stopped is when what? We yield to the Spirit as the conviction happens, and we confess that sin as 1 John 1, 9, and yet he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the only way that you're out of it before destruction comes. But by the way, there's still consequences. But the question to all of us this morning as we look at this and we say, all things work together for good. Brother Jonathan, I've got these things that I haven't dealt with, but I think I've got a good handle on them. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. If you have that issue, whether it's brought on by someone else, you're nothing but a drunk, you'll never be nothing but a, you'll be this, you'll... Rebuke it in the name of Jesus, get deliverance over it, go through the deliverance worksheets, walk through getting tr total and complete freedom as a follower of Jesus Christ. What about the other one? You know, I prayed all those years for mama, for daddy, that they'd get it healed from that cancer. I prayed them, we anointed them, we, we did everything. We had the most godly people we know, and I'm still mad at God because mama or daddy died or whoever it was. And, and I'm just mad, and I think God didn't answer our prayers, and I don't want nothing to do with them. Please step back. Just step back and ask you this question. Are you God? I know I'm not. Has God taken people from me that if I didn't rest in him and trust in him, I could become extremely angry at God and 
allow the rest of my life to be defined in bitterness and walk right into that trap that Satan wants nothing more than me to walk into. I know I could. Because one of those times was last year on December 9th. But I either believe the truth of who God is or I can walk away from all of it. See, we serve a God that's bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. See, we have that promise that as you think about that virtual canvas I put up here today, the strokes of the brush. It's not easy to endure the darks, the blacks, the grays, those brush strokes that just seem like they're completely pointless and they have nothing to do. Think about the other thing with the potter. God is the potter, we are the clay. When God is molding us, if you think about the, the, the clay having feelings, imagine the feeling and the pressure as God is pushing on the vessel, forming us, because God knows what the intended purpose of that clay is. We want to think that, God, you can refine me and you can prepare me without pain, Lord. The problem is, we don't learn without pain. You ever wondered why in the world that God's word would say, spare the rod, spoil the child? Why in the world would the thing that drives out, Scripture says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The very thing that runs and sets free, runs off the folly, is bound up, which by the way, when you're bound, you think about bindings on skis that can hold a full-size adult going down the hill at 60 or 80 miles an hour. Those are bindings. They bind you to the skis. The same way that something is bound to something, what does that mean? It means that it is fastened so that it does not come loose easily. That's what folly is in our children. You ever wondered why? I don't know what in the world the problem is. I've spanked them a hundred times for this. Why do they keep... Folly. It's folly. And the biblical call to deal with it requires a dose of pain. Isn't that amazing how pain is such a teacher? I know pain has taught me a lot in life. But what I promise beyond a shadow of a doubt for you is the things that God has taught me through great pain in my life are things that have formed and fashioned me like not many others. And what I know this morning is that when there is pain involved in something, God is trying to teach me something profound and something that he will allow me to be used to minister to someone else in the coming weeks, months, or years. See, I have to trust him in the midst of that. I have to trust him with Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. And as I'm experiencing that, I have to continue to remind myself, God, you do not torment, torture, allow me to experience something for no reason. And God, I trust you right now. Lord, teach me what it is that you want to teach me because I know you're preparing me for something. Just like last year before what happened to Jasmine happened, I was in the hospital, you know, almost a month and, or a few weeks, whatever it was. And as I said to you, I don't know what God was doing, but see, even at that moment, God was preparing me for what happened just a few weeks later. How do I, how does all that play? I don't know. I'm not God. 
but I can either trust him and him prove himself faithful like he has over and over and over again at God, or I can get mad at God, walk away from the ministry that God has entrusted me with and prepared me for all those years ago, miss out on the ability to be the hands and feet of Jesus and see the beauty of even this morning being a part of what God did this very week. I don't know about you, but these are glimpses of God's glory in my opinion. The glimpses of the goodness and faithfulness of God like none other. And I want you to understand God is ever faithful. He is so faithful. And I'm so thankful that we have the promises of verses like Ephesians chapter 3.20 unto him, unto him, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. See, what God has the ability to do this morning with your hurts is take those hurts and those heartaches and transform them into triumphs. The only question is, are you going to step back and trust him and be a part of watching that triumph unfold or will you, in essence, curse God and die, meaning remove yourself from the blessing of being a part of God's plan and purpose and allowing you to be used as an instrument of his grace. I remember that so vividly as at the very beginning of this, I get hurt, I give my life to Christ, not God, give my life to you, but just don't ever leave me in that wheelchair out of the wheelchair, Lord, and that's what, I'll trust you and I'll live for you. No, that was not it. It was never even a thought. I remembered then even recognizing and I had started reading the Bible. I had started praying and I wanted nothing more than God's will. I literally would have sat there at my house the rest of my life to honor him because I knew that the fulfillment and peace I had was like nothing that I'd ever experienced in my life and I didn't want anything to do with separating myself from it. And even then, not even spiritually near where I am now, my life became a Romans 8.28 life. All things work together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. And I began to trust, and even in verses like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, one day when my stove went out and it was hot or it was cold in the house, my wife had left for Thanksgiving and I'm there by myself for Thanksgiving and I roll out there and our, our, the heat's off and it's a, it was a long process to get this thing started again. And I remember wanting to feel sorry for myself. I'll never forget it. And I rolled around to the edge of that thing because I was getting my wheelchair fit right around the front. And I, I opened up the thing. And I remember when I saw that it was absolutely out. I was getting ready to get mad and feel sorry for myself. And this is what came out. In all things, give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I assure you, I promise you, as, as I'm standing right here, I literally repeated that verse. I can't tell you probably two to three hundred times as I lit that fire. And I continued to repeat that as I went up that right back into the house up the ramp. I went inside and I rolled in and I happened to see the way the light was in the house. I saw water running out from the refrigerator. You know what that meant? The refrigerator had broke. You know what I did? And all things give thanks for this is God's will in Christ. And I just continued to take captive every thought to the will of Christ because I realized God allowed this to happen. I don't understand why. And I want nothing more than to bathe in a mess 
an absolute river, an ocean of self-pity. And I had no reason to do that. Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. If there was any reason to be thankful, I couldn't get down. By the way, what happened after that? I go to take a bath. There's water in the bathtub. We had a septic pump. Well, that grand and glorious backup meant nothing but one thing. The septic pump was out. If anything about all of that happened that day, there was one blessing. I couldn't go down in there to change it. My wife had to. You don't get it. Did that just fall flat? So what did she do? She got down in there when she got home and changed out that septic pump, and we just went on. We changed out the refrigerator. And all of those things were nothing more than God teaching and preparing us for this very moment. I ask you, right now, is there a litany? Is there a list? Well, there's one. Something in your life right now that you're saying, God, this thing right here, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. What is right now hindering your ability from, ready? Being all in. Nobody in here is getting any younger. You might convince yourself of that. You might have enough money to make yourself look a little younger. But I promise those strings are coming loose one day and all that is going to go, whew. It's just a matter of time. We can trick the world around us. But we realize this morning there's no one in here that gets out alive. Are you trading the time that you have and the ability you have to see what we experienced this morning? God's changing lives and hearts. You know what? Your story is unique. All that's happened in your life is uniquely been allowed to happen to, for God to use you in special ways. But this morning, are you allowing God to take the beauty of all of the ashes of the things in life and allowing you to be molded, formed, and made so that you can live out his purpose and his plan for your life? I can't answer that for you. Are you holding on to something right now that was generationally passed on to you that is truly hindering your ability to live in the fullness of Christ? You continue to buy the lie of, oh, I got a right to be angry. I've got a right to this, or I'm nothing but that, and I'm just a no-count mess, and I'll never get anything right. You can keep buying that lie. Or you can allow the power of God to take captive those thoughts that are not of God. None of that's of God because you are a creation that was uniquely designed and formed in your mother's womb by him for his glory. You are a trophy, but the question becomes, are you going to be a trophy of his grace, his unmerited favor through the work of salvation and a true transforming work of God that happens when you recognize, just like Ellie and Todd did this week, that whether it was Ellie as a young one realizing it for the first time or Todd realizing that he was religious but didn't walk with Christ in a relationship, that's the question. Do you answer that call or do you live religious the rest of your life and die and realize what Scripture says? Depart from me into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Is that what it is? Or do you realize at times like this where God shows you a divine ray of his glory and shines a light where you are like me when I was lost and I literally felt like I was in the middle of a desert in the middle of 100,000 people?
God showed me, you ain't walking with me, you're walking with nobody. And the peace, though, that came as a result of God's work, again, I would not trade for anything in this world. I want to give you this promise this morning. All things work together for good. No matter how hard the situation might be that you're facing, no matter how insurmountable the odds may be, God's promise is that all things work together for good, but then I qualify it. For them that love him and are called according to his purpose. By the way, if you love God, the Bible says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. So if you are a person that loves him, you'll keep your, meaning you're going to be a regenerate follower of Jesus Christ. If you are that this morning, I want to encourage you in whatever you're facing, that all things will work together for good. If you're here this morning and you don't even know what I'm talking about, you're sitting there going, I want to know what he's talking about. I want to know what that peace is that he's talking about. I want to know what that fulfillment he's talking about because I've never experienced that. I want to encourage you this morning, recognizing that this is what happened in creation. You have the beauty of God's. We've got to get a couple more hymnals. I'm going to borrow your hymnals, Eddie, if you don't mind real quick, my friend. I'll try to put them back as close to as I, I will. But when God created, he created this. He created a unified creation, all with his purpose and plan being preordained. So Adam and Eve were in the garden, and we had continuity with God. We had fellowship with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is what happened. There was a separation that occurred. What happened? Sin could not dwell in God's presence, and God had, he was rejected by them. He was separated from them. So here you have humanity. Here you have the God of creation that desires, what are we? Created in God's image. God created us relational, therefore God is relational. God desired to dwell with his creation, but his creation made that impossible. This chasm right here, when people go, well, I don't understand why I love and God created a hell. God didn't create the hell. The hell happened when the separation occurred. That was what this was for, is people who said, I don't want to dwell in your presence. I don't want fellowship with you. I want to be God, as the enemy said, right? So the enemy and his angels is why that chasm was created. We separated ourselves from God. This is the reality of separation from God in church. Look at the love of God. All the way back, we're studying these typologies right now. All through the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, God is pointing, pointing to what Jesus would do. What did Jesus do? Wish I had a bridge. I'm going to make one of these one day. Just take my glasses, okay, and just kind of visualize this is what God did. He sent Jesus to bridge the gap. He by the way, think about this. Broad is that road that leads to destruction. There's all kinds of ways that you can walk off this separation from God. Oh, I'm going to do things. I'm trying to be a good person. I want to help a lot of people, and I, I'm going to do the right thing. You can walk right off. You can keep doing that. And there's this narrow road. This narrow road is by grace and through faith and the finished work of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's narrow. In the grand scheme of this chasm, this is very, very narrow. And that's why in Matthew chapter 7, it says, Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are there that go. 
but narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I want to ask you this. Do you think it's by chance or happenstance that my notes aren't here? I want to tell you something I think not. This is what I know about the work of God and the power of God, whether it's for somebody in this building or whether it's from somebody who's watching in another country online. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ loves you. I want you to know that he created you. And not only did he create you, but he created you with a purpose, not to be squandered on the foolishness of passing things of this world and this life. He created you with a monumental purpose that only you can fulfill. And I ask you, are you fulfilling the purpose that God has designed you to experience? This year, on September 20th, it'll be 20 years ago that I gave my life to Christ. I can't even believe how fast those 20 years have gone. You know what I've not lost in the last 20 years? Nothing. I've lost nothing. I haven't missed a party that I wish I'd have gone to. I haven't missed a blowout. I haven't missed anything that I go, man, if only I had gotten saved, I could have gone out there and just lived like the devil. I haven't woken up on a Saturday and said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I just ruined my entire day or two days trying to recover. Matter of fact, I've had a whole lot more Saturdays that I've done a whole lot more productive things than I ever dreamed about in a lot of those days that I had, I call it BC, before Christ. I haven't missed anything, church. But I'll tell you what I do. I am well aware that I don't deserve the grace that God's given me. I don't deserve it. And I'm so thankful for his mercy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I hope you don't leave this building today without finding out. Because I say this day in, I say this day out, week in, week out. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We can't keep this world. I woke up this morning, my body's hurting today a lot. My joints are hurting a lot. They've hurt a lot lately. And I guess I'm just kind of coming to terms with that's the period of the season of life that I'm in. And I've heard the old timers telling me that my whole life. I feel it. It's hit me more and more. One of the problems is Tylenol messes my stomach up, so I, it's, it's a real battle. But I am assured of the reality that this momentary pain and trials and tribulation and all that I'm experiencing now is going to give way to the eternal glory of one day being in the presence of my King, my Lord, my God, my Savior. And I ask, are, are you longing for that today? But I ask you if you are, are you longing to walk with God? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus and a relationship. I'm talking about waking up in the morning and wanting Jesus. I'm talking about when you're struggling, just talking to Jesus as you would a friend because you have a relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion. Religion makes me want to vomit because religion keeps you from ever experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And that's what I ask you. Do you walk with Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know him as your Lord, your Savior, your King? Are you a regenerated follower of Jesus? And I ask you today, if not, why? I'm not here to beg you to do anything because I can't put a desire in you that you don't have. But if you're here and you have that desire, I want you to know you're at the right place because once again, I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. I'm going to tell you that walking with Christ is hard. I've spent 20 years doing it. It's not easy. But I would not again trade it for anything in this world. It has brought a peace. It has brought a joy. It has brought what nothing ever in my life could ever imagine giving me. In church, I have nothing to go back to. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for Jesus, Lord, for salvation, God, for just all that you are. Thank you. Father, thank you today, Lord, that this building and this assembly is not about religion. Lord, it's not about words, hollow words. God, is it is about walking with you. Lord, thank you this morning for allowing me to walk by faith and not by sight when those notes were not there this morning. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Father, it was all of you. And God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the strength and the faith and that ability to trust that you would fill in and do what only you can do. But God, this morning, whatever you're doing in hearts and whoever needed to hear this today, whether they're in this building in some continent that we may not even know of, or Lord, in this very room, I pray, Father, you would have your way in this midst. During this time of invitation, Lord, you know, again, what needs to be done. You know the ones that are struggling, hurting. Lord, I pray today you'd give them a special measure of your grace, Lord, and that they would pour out their hearts with whatever the situation is and truly trust, knowing that all things work together for good to those that love you and are called according to the purpose. Father, I pray today for ones that are struggling with children, Lord, or spouse, or mother, or father, Lord, that's just desperately broken right now. God, I pray that they would, like never before, pour them out at your feet and continue to until you change their hearts and deliver them and save them. Father, I pray for ones who have decisions to make that they don't know what to do. God, let them truly realize the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in you with all their heart, leaning not into their own understanding, and in all your ways, acknowledge them. You will direct their paths. God, thank you for that promise, that hope. Lord, above all, if there's ones here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, they don't know what would happen if they breathe their last breath, I pray today would be the day of salvation. They would realize the separation that sin caused, but realize the beauty of what Jesus did to restore us in fellowship with you. God, thank you for that love, that love that I cannot explain. It's so incredible. It is so far-reaching, and there are no depths to the love that you have. And God, we thank, you. thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.